listening to the Thornapple Valley Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Our hope is for you to be encouraged and to connect with God during this message. If you'd like to know more about Thornapple Valley Church, visit tbcweb.com. Well, I want to say hey to everybody joining us online. We're glad you're with us. I'm thinking about our other campuses in Delton and Middleville, and I, I just got to say it's good to be back. This is my second week back now. It's really good to be back. And I was a little nervous, actually, because we had such great speakers while I was on study break, and I thought, I'm going to come back and suck, and they're going to want me to go. They're going to be like, we need to get somebody, you're old, and you know, whatever. And so it was a little nerve-wracking, but it is so good. It's so good to be back. I love being a part of TVC. I want to start today by just asking you a question. Just, I just want you to process. If I were to ask you, what would you describe as the traits of an outstanding person, a person of, of great character? What kind of descriptors would you use? What, what kind of traits would you ascribe to someone that you would say, this is a top-of-the-line kind of person, this is really top-notch? In fact, what I'll do, uh, let me just give you a short list, all right? This is certainly not exhaustive, but this is just a little list of some traits that you might see in somebody of quality. They're friendly, or they're funny, they're hardworking, they're humble, they're kind, they're relaxed, they're smart. Of these, just to, and I know, again, this is not exhaustive, there's all kinds of other things you could you could attribute to people, but of this list of just seven items, what would you say are the top two? What do you think are the top two out of friendly, funny, hardworking, humble, kind, relaxed, and smart? And if you're comfortable with it and you know the person next to you, just turn to them and tell them what you think are the top two. What do you think you would see in the smart, great, not just smart, but whatever they are, that person, that top-notch person, what would you see? It's always funny because I'm looking at some of you and you're going, no, you're wrong. No. I'm right. Let me tell you what it would be. And I always love, and it's almost always between a husband and a wife, sadly, but I'll tell you what I think, okay? And this this is just a list I threw together. I mean, there's lots of other traits you could say. But I would guess, I could be wrong on this, but I would guess out of this list that probably the majority of us, one of the top two that we included would have been humble. And there's a reason for that. Now, we don't fully understand it in ourselves, but one of the things that we love is we're drawn, we're, we're almost drawn magnetically to people who exhibit a spirit of humility. There's something in us that's pulled towards people who are humble. Not, you know, like they, they say, I'm nothing, but they're just natural, they just, they just seem to express humility in their lives. There's this guy, I met him not uh, this year at the Detroit Mission trip, but last year, uh, he's been in our church, but I really didn't know him, and so I spent a couple days working closely with him, because I was in the group with him, and I just, I was just so impressed with this guy, he was a hard worker and all of that, and smart and everything, but I was just so impressed with his spirit, and then for the last year, I've watched him serve here at the Hastings campus, and he does it in this quiet, affirming, encouraging way, is never a big deal about himself, and I tell you, people like that, I love working with humble people. Anybody feel that way? I mean, there's something, I'm just, it's like, it's like magnetic almost, I'm just drawn to them, and I think that we're all like that. I think you're like that as well as me. You are drawn to, there's something about a humble person that pulls you in. You see it, you observe it, you know it's the right thing. So Jesus tells this, gives kind of an illustrative story at one point, and I just think it's interesting how he does this. He talks about two guys we're going to church or up to the temple to pray. Take, t- take a look at this. And so it says, two men, this is found in um, Luke chapter 18. It says, two men went up to the temple to pray, 
One was a Pharisee, so he was like the, the modern-day Pharisee would be me, all right? I'm a preacher, a, 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 a person who's a part of the religious network, if you will. And the other, a tax collector. Now, some of you would think, well, that must be like an IRS person. No, that's like an IRS person who's also a thief, all right? So it's like he's, he's a tax collector, but he's got the weight of the government behind him, and he misuses it. And so they were known as like really bad people because they would steal from everybody. They would extort money as they were charging the taxes. And so it said, Jesus says, the Pharisee stood by himself and he prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. And then he describes what he's not. He's not a robber, evildoer, or adulterer. He says, or even like this tax collector. Implication, I don't steal from people. Then he goes on and says what he does do. He says, I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But, Jesus says, the tax collector, he stood at a distance He wouldn't even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus finishes telling this vignette and then he gives his conclusion. He says, I tell you that this man, he's talking about the tax collector, the sinner. He said, this man rather than the other went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be All right, let's try it again. Come on, work with me, all right? And those who humble themselves will be? They'll be exalted. This is fascinating when you think about this because the only thing we know about these two guys is the information that Jesus gives us in the story, and that's what each of them reveal about themselves. We don't know what they actually do or don't do except what they reveal. But you think about it. The Pharisee, the religious leader, he talks about the things he's not. He's not an evildoer. He's not a thief. He's not an adulterer. You know, he's not all these bad things. What he does do, he's disciplined. He's a giver, a disciplined giver. He's disciplined in his behavior and how he eats. All all these are things that you and I would aspire to. This looks like the ideal person in your community, the person you'd like. The other guy, the only thing he reveals about himself is he says, God, forgive me a, can anybody tell me? sinner. So he's just real honest about who, what he is. Now you didn't have, when you got to the end of Jesus telling that little story, you didn't have to have his conclusion to know who the good guy was and who the bad guy was. Come on, is that true? You already in your head had formulated that. Not based on the stuff they did, because if you look purely on the stuff they weren't and were doing, you would say the better guy was the religious Pharisee. But if you look at the spirit of the person, The lack of humility in the Pharisee, you immediately brought them down and actually put them below the tax collector. This is the power of humility in a person's life. It is actually a massive thing. It's really big. And the thing is, is that on the inside of all of us, we are attracted to people of a humble spirit. We because we know intuitively, this is I I just wrote it out this way. We intuitively know that humility is critical to being a whole person. You know that, I know that, we know that. We look at other people who are humble and we're just like, I want to be around that guy. I want to be around that gal because they're so humble. And yet, and yet, and I can't speak to anybody else, but here's what I see in me. I love humility. I love watching it other people. I think it's a great thing a person should have it. But secretly, inside, I desire to exalt myself. Now don't look at me like a sinner because I think you're just like me, all right? I think if you were honest, you would own up to the fact that on the outside, we say we love humility and we're drawn to it in other people, but secretly inside, we we like being promoted. We like it when people praise us. Come on, is that true? 
Okay, this side said yes, this side's going no. We like being praised. Come on, is there some truth in that? We like being promoted. We like being exalted. We like it when people go, you are a good person. I, I, you, you, thank you, you're wonderful. You know, we love that stuff. Now, we know humility is good for us, but we love being exalted. There's this thing on the inside. We like being lifted up. You know what I love? I love when people come to me and say, I just so love your spirit of humility, Jeff. And on the inside, I'm thinking, you should, because I am totally humble. I mean, I'm, I'm being silly, but I think, we should, I think we should be aware of this fact because this is an interesting thing. It's like we know humility is right. We know that the person who walks with humility in life, they're more fully formed than people who are not, than people who walk with arrogance and people who have a lack of humility. And yet there's this, it's like there's this war inside of us. Impulsively, we want to be exalted, even though we know humility is right. And this is something that Jesus talked about a lot, this this countercultural idea of humility really is the right thing. Uh, Ann and I have been together doing what our church suggested. One of the things our church gave us an option over this season that we've been in this series called Red Letter Days where we're reading the words of Jesus and talking about them. Uh, we, we did together the, the version uh, Bible study plan where you read through the Gospels in the summer, which is just like a chapter of the Gospels a day. So I've been doing that all summer. I'm I'm astounded by how often Jesus talked about humility. Over and over again, he talked about you know, being the last and being the servant of people and, 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 and not putting yourself forward. And, and, and this is an interesting thing because as it was in his day, so it is now. It turns the cultural apple cart upside down. Let's just be honest. Our culture doesn't tell us that winners are people who humble themselves. They tell us winners are people who get to the top and they get there and they get it and they make the money and they have the admiration of people and that's what people aspire to and they're going after exaltation and Jesus comes along and he's giving this message of, no, 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 no. No, actually, it's the opposite, guys. You humble yourselves. Let's take a look, just a short list of some of the things that Jesus said. Here's one, Mark chapter 9, verse 35. He says, anyone wants to be, who wants to be first must be the very, the very last. You want to come in first place? You want to be a, a winner? He says, you need to learn how to be last and the servant of all. This is astounding. Now, he uses these kinds of words so often. Here's another place. Jesus uses these words not only instructionally, but he also gives his life as an example. He said, whoever wants to become great among you must be your what? Say it out loud. Your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your, that's, this gets tougher, your slave. But then he uses himself, refers to himself illustratively. He says, just as the Son of Man, he's talking about himself, did not come to be served, but to, say it with me, to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is turning this whole thing upside down over and over. Here's another one. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, he says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, which is a universal symbol of sacrifice and giving up of yourself, and follow me. And then we come to the words I want to focus on this weekend. These are found in Matthew chapter 23, verse 12. Jesus says, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves, they'll be exalted. Those who humble themselves, Jesus teaches this counterculture. Now, obviously, you understand why he's teaching this thing, because I've already laid it out. 
you and I, as fallen people, we have this impulsiveness in us. I want to be exalted. I want to be seen as somebody. I, I mean, we all have this on the inside of us. And yet, intuitively, we know that humility is appropriate for us. It is way, the way we should go, how we should live. But Jesus knows there's this, this contradiction in us, this conflict, this war on the inside. So he talks about it, and he talks about it a lot because this is what we want. We want to be admired, and we find ourselves not even... It's not like we wake up in the morning and go, okay, how will I get exalted today? How will I get people to exalt me and think I'm wonderful today? You don't map it out on your to-do list. It's just there. It just happens. We instinctively fight for our privileges. I mean, come on. You know what I'm talking about. It's like we want to put ourselves first. If you're in line somewhere and you've been waiting a little while and somebody comes and cuts in front of you, is your first thought, bless your heart, you need to be in front of me. Is that your first thought? No, your first thought is, you're going to die because I'm going to kill you. I mean, your, your first thought is like, who do you think you are? What do you? No, no. We instinctively, we, it's like there's something in us. We want to put ourselves first. It's on the inside of us. And I'm not saying that we're trying to crush other people around us, but it's interesting because we celebrate the victory of other people. We do. We, somebody wins, it's like, yay, you, went, you won, you did good at that. Unless it appears to diminish our victory a little bit, and then we don't celebrate so much. And then we're not sure we even want them to win. If, we're, if they're in a different race than us and they win, it's like, yeah, you go. But if they're in the same race as us and they win, we're like, I hate you. You know, we have this di- completely different. It's amazing how that is. And we don't, we don't try to come up with this. It's just this impulsive thing on the inside of us. We want to be first. We want to be in charge. You know, I say this, I've said this jokingly for years, but I think there's a lot of truth in it. I think we're, in some ways, we're humans, but we're similar to dogs. I'm serious. We go around with each other, and, and we're kind of sniffing, you know, rear ends, and, you know, and trying to figure out who smells the best so we know who's the big dog, where we're at in the hierarchy. Because maybe I'm not going to be top dog, but I want to be up there higher up in the dogs. I don't want to be the dog at the end of the lane. I want to be the one in the, you know, near the top. We're all doing this. We're kind of sniffing and setting. You get in a conversation. Come on. You tell me this doesn't happen. You're in a conversation sometimes. Somebody tells a story. And then you realize you have a story that's just one up from that. And you just feel compelled to tell it. Now, you'll tell it humbly, <laughs> but you'll tell your story. There's some, you'll drop a name. You go, yeah, yeah, I know. I was talking to. And you find yourself done. And sometimes you're even ashamed that you did it. So on study break, one of the things I do, I take a study break every year. One of the things I do is I'll visit lots of other churches. I visited a church in Lansing this year. And uh, it was a wonderful experience. It really was. Small, uh, that service was pretty small, like maybe 50 people, something like that. It wasn't big. But it was just, it was cool. I, I, I was just blessed to be there. I truly enjoyed it. And um, at the end of the service, the, 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 the message, it was the, the lead pastor, and the message he gave I thought was really good. And, and so I saw him at the back, and I often just slip in and out. I don't talk that much usually, but I just went up to him. I wanted to say, you know, good job. And so I just went up and I said, hey, I just want to tell you, it was a really good talk, really really touched me, and I just want to say thank you. Well, he obviously knew I was visiting. I mean, that is a smaller group, and so he said, well, how did you find out about us? And, and so I said, well, on the internet, and I thought, I might as well just tell him. I said, actually, I'm a pastor. And he goes, really? You're a pastor? And then he says, where are you from? And I said, uh, well, I, I, I pastor in Hastings. Now, I'm, this is going to sound horrible, okay? And it did not happen. But in that moment, I could swear I saw a look in his eyes that went, 
Because I said, you probably don't know where Hastings is. He said, well, I know where Hastings is. And I thought I saw a look in his eyes and said, oh, the country boys come into the city to see how it's done. <laughs> and something in me was like, wah. And so I found myself, I just went, well, well, actually, we have other campuses and other cities in, in the area. And then I'm like, why did you do that? What is wrong with you? Why, what is, what, why did you have to show off like that and tell him you have other campuses and other, what is wrong? And I'm like, I don't know. It just seemed like his smelled a little better than mine. And I just had it. And so I said goodbye, went outside, peed on a bush and left. Did I just say that in church? Did I? You didn't know pastors marked territory, did you? So we know who the big dog is. I think you all know what I'm talking about. I think you all know what I'm talking about. There's something in us. There's this war, this, this, this kind of battle, and it's a struggle. We want to be the winner. Humility doesn't seem to come naturally to us. Jesus' disciples are a great example of this, a great example of this. They're with him 24-7, practically, for three years, or three years of his ministry. They're watching him preach on humility, act with humility, do all this stuff. They get near the end of it. You're, you're, you're familiar with this. So they come to this final meal together. We call it the Last Supper. You know, you've seen the painting. You know what the Last Supper is about. What you may not remember is, is that just before they ate this meal, Jesus had washed their feet and said to them, now just as I've done this for you, I want you to do this for other people. They've been with him 24-7 for three years. They've watched him be humble. They've lived with him. They've heard him speak. And then they just finished this amazing meal together where they're actually hearing him say, my body's about to be broken for you. My blood's about to be shed for you. You remember what I've done. And you know what happens right at the end of the meal? This is astounding to me. This is scripture. This is what it says. Luke chapter 22, verse 24. It says, within minutes they were bickering over who of them would end up the greatest. Really? Seriously, guys? Your feet aren't even dry from him, God, washing your feet. And you're bickering over who will be the greatest? Yep. And that all of us can relate to because it's like you know you want to walk with humility and yet there's something in you that wants to be the greatest, that wants to be at the top, that wants to be known as somebody who's not a loser. Now, I don't need to beat this anymore because I think you know it, I know it, we all know it. So the question maybe even is why bother speaking about it? Well, Jeff, we know it's a struggle, so why bother speaking? Because as on any journey, and we are on a journey in life, on every journey, on a regular basis, you need to go back to the wheelhouse and you need to check your navigation to make sure that you're on course in where you want to go. And life is a journey and we live in a culture that does not promote humility. What it promotes is putting yourself first, getting your rights, getting what you want, and it blows us off course. And so regularly we need to come back and say, you know what, I need to come back to this thing. So can I just ask, I mean, this is just... How are you doing in this area? I mean, I think I've tried to be brutally honest with you. This, this is a struggle for me. And I've been preaching this stuff for you. It's a struggle. How are you doing? But this is what we're called to. This is what Jesus calls us to. If you're a follower, I understand some of you may not be following Christ. And you're not sure you buy all this. You know humility's right. I don't think you can argue that. But you're not sure if, if you should have to do that. You don't. 
But followers of Christ, he made it crystal clear. If you exalt yourself, you're going to wind up where you don't want to be. But if you humble yourself, which is what you're called to. So how are you doing on that? This is a course check. And you understand, don't you, that's why church is so important. Can I just speak parenthetically for a moment? I'm, I'm really not asking. I'm going to do it anyhow. But I just want to say this, all right? This is why I unashamedly am such an advocate for church. Because we need it in our lives. Because the winds of life blow us so quickly off course. And we need that regular reminder. You don't need to go to church so that you can get an inspirational little talk that makes you feel good for an hour and then you go off and do your own thing and you do that once in a while. That's not what it's about. You want to know the truth about me? I listen to lots of messages of other people preachers of course that's my trade partly and so I pay attention to that and I listen to them and I find the messages that are the best for me are not the ones where I'm going amen that's good preaching the best message are the ones where I'm going oh gosh I got to get back in line here I, I I've been missing the mark and I need that in my life and so do you I'm just going to say this, and, and, and some of you won't like it but you need to be in church not just once in a while or when it's convenient you, it should be a regular part of your life it's not something you say, well, we'll put it on the calendar. When it works, you just say, this is a regular thing on the calendar because we need this. We need this. I, I cannot tell you. I mean, I, mean I, know, I know some of you will disagree with me, and I'm fine with that. Honestly, I am. And again, I'm speaking parenthetically here, but, but, but I've, I've had so many conversations with people say, you know, Jeff, we got so busy over the summer a couple of years ago, and, and we just couldn't get to church for, you know, 12 weeks, and, and then it was like we just got out of the habit and we stopped going. And then they will tell me, over and over, I've heard this. I cannot tell you dozens, hundreds of times, I don't know. And then we just kind of slowly slid away from God. And they'll say it to me. They'll say it very honestly. And I've come to the conclusion that this equation is really true. This is that you minus church, a church family, being a part of a church family over time, not just once in a while, but, but you minus church over time, it always equals distance from God. You need a church. And I love TVC, but I'm not promoting you going to TVC. I'm saying you need to be a part of a church family. There are so many good churches. In any area around here you can point to, I can point you to good churches, good churches. You need to be a part of one. And while I'm belaboring this, I think you don't need just church. I think you need to be a part of a small group of people who can challenge you, who know you, who we call them life groups here, but whatever, group, whatever church you're part of, I think you need to be a part of a life group there to some kind of connection with other people. And, you, and I know some of you are going, Jeff, my life is so over. I, ah, you're trying to dump more. No, I'm not. I'm trying to challenge you about your priorities. Who do you want to be? And if you're not moving in that direction, you need to make course corrections. You need the things that will help you make course corrections. All right, so let's go back to humility now. This is a perfect time to have that little talk while I'm talking about humility because humble people will not send me emails that are nasty and all that, you know, so I... I mean, I'm, I, I think it was appropriate timing. So, so let's just talk for a few minutes uh, about a couple traits of people who, who live with a spirit of humility. And we already know this is a wrestling match, but let's talk about a couple of traits that you'll see in, see in them. And, and these are things I've talked about a lot, but I just have to keep coming back to them. First thing is they own themselves. They own themselves. You, you, you know this, and I know this, that it starts from an early age that we like to blame other people for the things we've done wrong. Come on, is that true? All right. Is that true? 
It starts at an early age, and we want to compare. And it's like, it's like, Mommy, what about Billy? You know, he did this thing. Why didn't you, you know, or why are you letting him do that? We want it to be fair. Well, we don't really mean we want it to be fair. We just want ourselves put up a little higher. And so we do this. We, we, we blame, we point, we criticize, we critique, we do all this stuff, and a lot of it's basically by way of just comparison. You know, we compare ourselves so that we can justify our behavior, or we can rank ourselves. But the Bible's very clear about what happens when we're looking at other people and not at ourselves, when we're, when we're comparing ourselves to other people. This is what it says in Scripture, 2 Corinthians 10, 12. It says, when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not, say it out loud, they're, they're not wise. You could say it this way, they're fools. You're fools. Your job, when you walk with humility, your job is to take care of you. Your job is to actually be very cautious about pointing a finger at anybody or blaming anyone. It is to make sure that I'm looking at me and responding to what I'm doing and what's happening in me. My parents may have been terrible. My coworker, my boss, my whoever, they may be people that aren't, aren't great people but I have to own me. And I will tell you, this is so much easier to preach than it is to live. I mean, I struggle with this because I look at you all and you're so imperfect. I see all your imperfections. They're glaring. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. It's so much easier to look at you than it is to look at me. One of the things I've been trying to do in you know, recent days, if you will, or, or years or whatever, but I've, I've been trying to, when I, I feel myself wanting to criticize someone, to use it as a prompter to remind me, I'm guilty of so much. But it's just so much easier to point a finger at someone else. Oh, this is just, in the last two or three weeks, we were at the house and we had some family over and Ann was doing something. I can't even remember. This is bad, but I can't even remember the exact circumstance. We were just trying to do something and it, and it wasn't working well and so I was trying to help her do it the right way and to tell her how to do it. And, and that, that wasn't going over very well. And she just, I remember she was doing this thing and she just turned around and looked at me and said, you take care of you and I'll take care of me. And she was right. I mean, that's actually what God tells us to do. You take care of you and let others take care of that, that Your job is not to, not to focus on them. Your job is to focus on you. Of course, the only irony was it was like within the week that I was working on something and it wasn't going like I wanted it. And she started telling me how to do it. And I looked back at her and I had a flashback to when she said, you take care of you and I'll take care of me. But do you think I was obnoxious enough to say that back to her? I sure was. (laughs) It's much easier to preach this stuff than it is to live it. But truly humble people, they're aware. They They have to own themselves. And I think this is one of the hardest things we struggle with because we want to we point the finger. We want to we blame other people. We love to criticize politicians that we disagree with. We love to criticize people that we work with. We criticize, we look, and we point. And can I just say it lovingly? We're wrong when we do that. 
It's not our job. You take care of you. I should just have Ann up here preaching, really. She could just get up, take 30 seconds. I'll take care of me, you take care of you. Let's close with prayer. Some good preaching right there. I wish sometimes I, I, wish sometimes I had the, the curse that was placed on... Do you remember the movie Jim Carrey was the star in Liar, Liar? You all remember that one? It's been a long time now, but... Uh, in, in, in that movie, which is kind of funny, he has what, whatever it is, like a curse or something, I don't know what it is, but, but he has this thing where he, he, can't, he can't lie, and he's portrayed as a lawyer, and of course, you know, lawyers have that kind of rep of being people who can bend the truth a lot or break it or whatever, and, and so he, it, it, it's funny because he, he'll start to say a lie, and it would just be like, and then I, ah, and, and it was, it's just some great scenes in there where the lie turns to the truth and you see the pain as he's telling the truth. He doesn't want to, but he has to. And sometimes I wish we had that. I wish I had that in my own life where when I'm looking at somebody else and I'm thinking, who do you think you are? It would be like, who do I think I am? <laughs> I think we need that in our lives. I think it would be really good for us because it's so easy for us to be looking at all the other people around us and pointing to them and God's saying, whoa, 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 here's humility. You take care of you and they'll take care of them. You own yourself. You know what scripture says? This is so powerful. Romans chapter two, verse one says, you therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else, which we so easily do. For at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning what? yourself. Because you who pass judgment, you do the same things. You do the same things. In other words, you have faults, you have things in your life. This is something that is so destructive. Number one, humble people own themselves. Let me give you one other thought on this. And this is a real simple thing. They, they own themselves. And then secondly, they humble themselves. Now, I've talked about both these before, and this one I've talked about a lot, but I, I have to come back to it because this is a reminder we need. This is the problem. The reason I even bring this point up is that so many people believe that the way you get humble is you have humbling circumstances happen to you that humble you. People say, well, I went through this thing and, and it was so humbling. You know, I, 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 I had criticized others and then I got busted doing the same thing and it was so humbling. Now, don't get mad at me, but I'm going to tell you that's really not true. It's really not true. The circumstances that were difficult for you that you described, and I'm guilty of doing this. Sometimes I'll say it was such a humbling thing, you know. But the circumstances that we describe as humbling are not humbling. They are an opportunity for you to humble yourself. It's very important that you understand there's a difference between them humbling you and you humbling yourself. And, 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 and you know this is true. Two people can go through very similar circumstances. One comes out with a very humble spirit and the other one comes out completely different. David, who was a king, he's a character in the Bible, in the Old Testament part of the Bible, in the, the, the first part of the Bible, and, and uh, he wrote a lot of the Psalms and everything. Well, when he was confronted about some infidelity in his life and about being responsible for seeing to it that a soldier was in such a place that he would get killed, when he got confronted by a prophet over this, what happened to him in those, quote, humbling circumstances is that he broke 
and he humbled himself before God and for the people that he led. And he said, I have sinned before God. I have sinned against God. I have done these things. He acknowledged it. He humbled himself. And it was a beautiful thing to observe. Fast forward to the time of Jesus. And the religious leaders, those Pharisees that Jesus described, that he had so many confrontations with, who lived such enormous hypocrisy in their life, and they knew it. When they were confronted by the prophet, if you will, Jesus, the rabbi Jesus, in those humbling circumstances, they did not get humble. They did not humble themselves. In fact, they doubled down and got more prideful and planned how they could kill Jesus. Two people can go through the same thing. does not mean it will humble you. Circumstances don't humble you. You humble you. And that's why we have to be reminded. It's because it's hard. Because it's difficult. You have to humble yourself. This is what Scripture teaches. It says, humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will lift you up. Humble what? You, you, yourself. You, you got to do it. You have to choose humility. You have to choose me. And hear me, you don't arrive on this one. You're not going to walk away today going, well, I heard the preacher talk about humbling yourself, so I'm gonna, I've humbled myself. And it's done. <laughs> you will fight this until you take your last breath. It's just because of this fallen nature that we battle, this is a thing we will always fight and we have to keep being drawn back to this. And, and, and the truth is, is that often, often, not always, but often, if you get what you want to be successful in, it makes it even harder. In fact, I, I say it this way, your, your inward spiritual growth often runs inversely to your external excess. So things in your life externally can be going up and to the right. But because of the insidious nature of pride and a lack of humility when you start to win, actually while things are going up and to the right in your outward life, in your inward life spiritually, things are going down in the opposite direction. Because pride is this insidious thing that, that slips in and you don't always even see it. And then it pops out and if you're not paying attention, you don't even recognize it. So I know it seems overwhelming and some of you are going, okay, I'm supposed to humble myself, but you tell me it's so hard. How can I even do it? Well, it's something you have to keep coming back and keep checking and keep working on. But I will tell you this. Jesus actually gives us a real simple kind of like instructive way on how to do this. And let's just read this. This is uh, found in Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. But Jesus, I'm reading from the message paraphrase, by the way. Jesus says, be especially careful when you're trying to be good. In other words, when you're doing some good thing for somebody. So that you don't make a, what? Performance out of it. I mean, it might be good theater, Jesus says, but the God who made you, he won't be applauding. When you do something for someone else, don't call attention to yourself. You've seen them in action, I'm sure, Jesus says, the play actors, I call them, treating prayer meeting and street corner alike as a stage, acting compassionate as long as someone's watching, playing to the crowds. They get applause, true, but that's all they get. When you help someone, don't think about how it looks. Just do it, quietly and unobtrusively. This is the way your God, who conceived you in love, working behind the scenes, helps you out. This is so, so powerful. Jesus says, here's how you humble yourself. You set your life up so that as you're serving other people, and you should be, 
You're not doing it for praise. You're not doing it to be seen. You don't go after that. You just do it quietly and unobtrusively. Other translations, you'll read Jesus says, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. But I like the message paraphrase because I think what it communicates, Jesus wasn't making it a law like anytime you do something good, no one can ever know. What he was saying was, is that when you give of yourself, this is how you humble yourself. You serve others. And you do it with an acknowledgement that I'm not looking for praise. I'm not after a thank you. And I don't expect it. And I won't be offended if it doesn't come. Some of you, that was the price of admission for you right there. Because you do something nice, and then when they don't say thank you or they don't act appreciative, you're like, you know what, I don't mind doing nice stuff for people, but if they don't appreciate it, I don't think they deserve it. Okay. That's not humbling yourself. Humbling yourself is just saying, I'm doing this, and I'm not looking for anything from anybody. And however they act, that's them. I take care of me. They take care of them. Now, again, this is easier to preach than it is to do. I was just thinking about it as I was working on this talk, and I thought, how many times? Like, there are times when I do something nice for Ann, and she doesn't notice. Any husbands know what I'm talking about? And I don't do it that often, so I expect it to be seen and then appreciated. I've had times where she walked in, she's just so preoccupied. I have flowers on the table. She never even sees them. I'm like, okay, that's bad. What kind of a wife? (laughs) So I'm looking for her to give me some praise. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? And if she doesn't come through the praise, I'm like, I ain't doing this again. Okay, humble people say, I serve and do for others because it is the right thing to do. And I'm going to do my best to do it in a way that people don't have even a chance to have to say thank you. They just do it. Because it's right. Jesus says that, that's how you humble yourself. Quietly and unobtrusively. You just, you just serve. You don't complain. You don't talk about. You know, people are going to see that you're serving often. I mean, we did this Detroit mission trip just a couple, you know, week and a half ago, and, and there were almost 80 of us there. We all knew each other was there. We all watched each other sweat and work really hard and do all this stuff. Here's the difference. You don't bellyache and complain about it and talk about the sacrifice you're making. You just do it. And you do it with joy. And whether you get thanked ever or not doesn't matter because you're, not, you're doing it because it is right the right thing to do. Don't get pushed into some kind of corner where you feel like you, you, know, you have to do stuff. Just do it because it's right. We got this uh, thing coming up, the uh, Days of Caring. Let's get there if I can. Yeah, and it's happening on September 12th and 14th. And, and uh, it's just such a, uh, a cool opportunity. All, we joined with Berry County United Way and all over the county, we just serve. We serve organizations. We serve municipalities, we serve individuals, we just serve. Just sign up. You know, you go out in the lobby or you can do it online. Just sign up. And then serve without looking for someone to go, you're so wonderful. 
Without complaining, I thought our taxes covered this stuff. Without, just serve. Just serve. And this is what Jesus said. Can I just bring you back to these words? And we're done. He said, those who humble themselves, they'll be exalted. You will be paid back. You'll be covered. Just serve. So let's stand to our feet and uh, I'll dismiss us with a blessing. So may you go with an awareness of God's presence with you. That He walks with you. That as you go through your day today and then you go through your day tomorrow and you're in the work week or whatever you're doing, that He's with you and that His high call on your life is that you humble yourself. You own yourself. And you serve with a spirit of joy and love. And may you be blessed and be aware of his presence. In Jesus' name, let's say together, amen. You're dismissed. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Thornapple Valley Church Podcast. If you found this message encouraging, we invite you to share it. For more information, visit tvcweb.com.